Thank you, Anthony. You were magnificent last evening. Just finished strong. You may be seated. In the mighty constellations of the prophets, Isaiah was the mightiest. His least word fell like the blow of a battle axe. Isaiah was the most accomplished, poetically inspired genius the world has ever produced, our prophet. He was an artist with words, a master with language beyond what we could think human speech could bear. He was the evangelical messenger of the Old Testament. He prophesied the mission and work of Messiah. Jesus fulfilled it, just as Isaiah had prophesied. In chapter 32 of his powerful, illustrious book, we read his prophetic call to because of the times 2002. Rise up, you women that are at ease. Hear my voice, ye careless daughters. Give ear unto my speech. Many days and years shall ye be troubled, ye careless women. For the vintage shall fail, the gathering shall not come. Tremble, ye women that are at ease. Be troubled ye careless ones, strip you and make you bare and gird sackcloth upon your loins until, until, until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high and the wilderness be a fruitful field and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters, all waters. On the morning of July 9th, 2001, somewhere between four and five o'clock while I was yet sleeping, the Lord gave me this scripture text I just read. In my subconscious mind, I was saying, this has happened to me many times before. I know I'm asleep, but this must be a night vision from the Lord, so I will awaken, and I will write it down so I will not forget it. So let me give it to you as it unraveled to me. Rise up, ye women that are at ease. Give me your all, and just hear my voice, ye careless daughters, and give ear unto my speech. Men of the cloth and most holy brethren, don't tune me out just yet. The woman, the mysterious part of God's creation, she alone completes the wholeness of God's highest creation. Woman stands nearest the gate of heaven and nearest the gate of hell. When adorned by grace, she reaches a point of Christian elevation which man could never attain. But when involved in crime, she sinks deeper than man can plunge. The world's tallest statue, the Statue of Liberty. Its formal name is Liberty Enlightening the World, an international symbol of freedom. She is wearing flowing robes and the seven rays of her spiked crown symbolizes the seven seas and the continents of the world. A mighty woman with a torch 150 feet high on Liberty Island, New York Harbor portrays America's greatness. The world's tallest statue a giant statue of a woman portrays this great nation. What is the strength of this mighty woman with a torch? What is the indomitable, unconquerable power of the Statue of Liberty? 
What holds the 150-foot high statue against strong winds and lightning? What is the invincible power of this giant statue of a woman which portrays America's greatness? What is the strength? The French sculptor Frederick Augusta Bartholdi obtained the help of France's most famous engineer, Gustave Alexander Eiffel, who designed the inner structure of the statue of this mighty woman with a lamp in her hand. It's mind-boggling to read all the many powerful, intricate workings and tried and tested enduring materials of the inner structure of this world's tallest statue. The greatest nation in the world is portrayed by a woman with a lamp, a flaming torch in her hand. Ah, but not only this great nation, but the greatest institution in the universe, the Church of Jesus Christ, which he purchased with his own blood, the ecclesia, the called out ones, redeemed out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation, the church, which the entire cosmos was created for, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone inhabited by God Almighty through the Holy Spirit is portrayed as a woman, the bride of Christ, the mighty mistress of the universe, co-regent with Jesus Christ as power of attorney in his absence on planet Earth, invested with such power and authority that the gates of hell cannot prevail against her. This mighty mistress of the universe has power to tread on Satan and all of his hordes of demons and exercise authority over all Satan's power and suffer no harm. This mighty woman, the church, with the flaming torch of truth in her hand, she alone completes the wholeness of redemption. This mighty woman unlocks the gate of heaven and closes the yawning mouth of a burning hell, this woman. This woman, when adorned by the ascension gifts and with the authority and power granted her by her Lord, she reaches a point of elevation which no other institution can attain. But when she fails in her great commission, she can sink deeper than any institution can plunge. No angel has the power to break open hell's gates and set the captives free. Only this mighty woman, the church, with the flaming torch of truth in her hand, this mighty earth-conquering, hell-shaking, Jesus-name apostolic church. Is that good enough, Brother Tinney? Brother Barnes? Gerald, is that enough? This mighty earth-shaking, hell-shaking, Jesus-name, apostolic church. Is that good enough? This church is one body with many members, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. The intricate, powerful, enduring, tried and tested materials of the inner structure of this mighty church, the greatest institution in all the universe, was not designed by France's most famous engineer, Gustave Eiffel, but by the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the empowerment, the entombment, the infusion of the eternal spirit. And without the uncomely parts, the innermost parts, this giant stature called statue called the church would be leveled by storms, 
winds, floods, isms, schisms, apostasy, false doctrine, and yes, by terrorists in the pew. So please indulge me. There are some guts people in this church. There are some uncomely parts. There are some innermost being people, may I say, in this local church. So that this great local church can keep standing with her flaming torch of truth. And you won't see their pictures on the covers of magazines. They are not your film stars and power brokers or the famous before whom the commoners bow and scrape. No, no. They are the intercessors. They are the guts people, groaning, agonizing, travailing in the spirit people. They are the people with a gut-wrenching compassion. They feel the hurts of others, the lost, the bruised, the fallen, the hungry, the homeless, the lonely in their gut. They are the conveyors, the messengers of the only saving gospel of Jesus Christ. They are the uncomely parts. They are the members upon whom we bestow more honor. For without them, the inner strength, this great structure here would be leveled. So this message is not a mere academic exercise to me. It's another piece of my life. There are some uncomely parts here that you don't see. There was Sister Gewen and Sister Schellinger, twins, both widows, living on a minimum social security, who gave more to the church and missions than they kept, who prayed three-hour prayer shifts every day and fasted several days a week. And by their own request, they each were buried in a $700 casket, some guts people in the inner structure of this great church. Pat Wacker sits here this morning that raised almost 48000 alone by herself for She's for Christ. Where are you, Pat? Leona Allen, an African-American woman, raised $15,711.81 all by herself in this great church. We've got some guts people in this church. Darty Smith raised almost 15,000 by himself in this great local church. We've got some guts people in this church. Many are the women who come to this church in the early morning hours and pray a three-hour prayer shift before going to work. Weekends are given to running bus routes, teaching Bible studies, reaching and discipling, and giving and going into the highways and byways and compelling them to come in. So let the storms come. So let the winds blow. So let the isms and schisms and false doctrine and apostasy huff and puff and try to blow this house in. This mighty woman with torch in hand will keep standing. Because the Holy Ghost, the inner structure, the inner structure is the Holy Ghost. You better get you some inner structure, people. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, saith God. And whatever it takes to get the Holy Ghost spirit moving, you'd better pay any price, go anywhere, do anything to get the spirit. Because our God is marching on. And his chariot moves swiftly. And I refuse to be left behind and eat dust. We're marching with him. Our eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth, his truth out it. It's marching. I'm going with it. I'm going with it. Oh, be swift. Oh, be swift because of the times to answer him. Be jubilant your feet 
because our God is marching on whether you go or not. But we've made up our mind we're going to march with him and we're going to lift our torch beside the golden door. Locally or globally, every member in the church is to be fitly joined together by the Spirit. And without the Spirit, your congregation will never be fitly joined together. You are to be that strong, powerful, hidden part, upholding, supporting the church, portrayed by a woman, the beautiful bride of Christ. Each member contributing to the welfare of the entire body, protecting with their very life, soul, and strength the ministry and ministries of the church universal on which the sun never sets and for which all things in the universe exist. This mighty church called by his name, co-regent, co-equal with Jesus Christ, her Lord, her gifts, the unity, the holiness, the standards don't tamper with them, the virtue the graces, the holy anointing, the intercessory prayer ministry, and the teaching ministry is the inner strength upholding this mighty woman, the church, the intended bride of Christ, so that we can truthfully say, yea, even more so stand with outstretched hands with more to offer than Emma Lazarus' sonnet inscribed on the statue that reads, not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land here at our sea washed sunset gate shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name mother of exiles from her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome her mild eyes command the air bridged harbor that twin cities frame keep ancient lands your stored pump cries she with silent lips but give me your tired your poor your huddled masses yearning to breathe free the wretched refuse of your teeming shore send these the homeless the hurting the bewildered the confused the hopeless tim top tim is tossed to me i lift my lamp beside the golden door a mighty woman with a torch, a mighty woman with a torch. The terrorist may have leveled the twin towers, but not the mighty woman with a flaming torch in her hand. But please, please hear me. Those who come by ship into New York City or ride the Staten Island Ferry by the Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor know that the statue seems to dominate the whole landscape, but if you are flying over the city and you look down several thousand feet, it looks like a speck because it is dominated by the massive skyline that man has built. And so it is with the church, this mighty woman, mistress of the world. Hear the prophetic call because of the times 2002 of the universe intended bride of Christ to your full stature to your full stature with the flaming torch of truth in your hand hear the voice of the spirit ye careless ones who are at ease in Zion there's more than retirement here there's more than your little kingdom here there's more than a pocket full of money here put you in the sickle for the harvest is ripe come get you down for the press is full the fats overflow for their wickedness is great yes Anthony multitudes 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 teeming millions are in the valley of decision confused deceived directionless lost with one foot on a banana peeling and the other one in hell rise up saith the Lord strip you and make you bare gird sackcloth 
mourning, travailing, agonizing upon your loins, the birthing area, the generative area, the reproductive area, the guts area, if you please. Strip you, make you bare, saith the Lord. For the hearts of my own people are out there in the world. And Satan has oversown the sowing of the church. And the cords of the serpent have surrounded and enclosed the whole earth. And my people, instead of watching and praying and fulfilling the great commission, are caught up in the cares of this life and their own little petty business. They have hewn them out, cisterns, wherein is no water. And they have forgotten days without end that there's only one way, just one way, just one way to break the hold of Satan on lives and the call and the brandishments of this world that have them snared. So strip ye, strip ye, make you bare, saith the Lord. Bow in travail, weep between the porch and the altar until... Until, until, until there is revival in your city. There is revival in your church. Until your homes are what they ought to be. Until your family is what it ought to be. And yes, your own individual life is what it ought to be. Until, until, until. Is hell a myth or a fact? Somebody answer me yes or no. I didn't hear one. Is hell a myth? Or is it a fact? Did Jesus mean what he said? He said, go ye into all the world. He said, go into the highways and the byways. He said, preach this gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized. Get your hands on them. They shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That's a horrible word for our Savior to say, damned. They shall be damned if they believe not and repent not and are baptized not. Now, is that a fact or a myth? If so, then we need prophets. We need mighty men of God. Preachers letting the preacher develop on the inside of them, lifting their voices, declaring it so. We cannot shut our eyes to our changing neighborhoods. We cannot be more concerned about Americanization than evangelization. Thou who sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. Let me tell you, the world is sitting on your doorstep begging for a few crumbs. And some of you are not awake yet. You're just sitting there daydreaming. I beg you in the name of Jesus Christ to come alive. I'm not talking about shouting and hollering. I'm telling you to get on fire. Shout it. Say, I will. He better never come. Come and heard what you heard last night. You don't need a visa, a passport, or a governmental permission just to all that's all you need is a love for souls. And as this great missionary's wife stood here and told you, it took a burden. And you look up the word burden in the Bible, and there's a burden of this and a burden of that and a burden of this and a burden of Tyre and a burden of Babylon. I want the burden of the Lord on me like I've never had it before. Wake up. Rise up. You don't need a degree in biblical studies. You just need a willingness to share your faith, your experience, this gospel. You just need to get off of your high horse, as did the good Samaritan, and get down in the gutter. Get down in the gutter and get that wounded, half-dead man and take him somewhere and pay any price to get him back to life. Are you hearing me?
up your homes. If you're in a town where there's not a big church, open your house up. Open your hearts up. Your resources. It might shock you what you could do. You've got to sow beside all waters, not regarding the clouds. Leave it in God's hands. The rich, the poor, the literate, the illiterate, the homeless, the handicapped, the red, yellow, black, or white, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, Protestant, whatever. We've got to lift our torch beside the golden door or else. Say, or else. Thus saith the Lord, many days and years shall you be troubled if you don't. The vintage is going to fail if you don't. There'll be no wine or no oil if you don't. The, no, no overflowing of the vats if you don't. No floors full of wheat if you don't. You won't have revival if you don't. You won't have any new names written in the Lamb's Book of Life and every name not written there is cast into the lake of fire. For the gathering of the harvest will not come. Crops will fail. All will fail if we do not bow in travail and lift our flaming torch of truth beside this golden door. But what of the terriest, Sister Mangan, that we reach out and bring into our church? Paul said, Demas forsook me, but I just won Onesimus. He was a runaway slave. He was a refugee. Alexander the coppersmith and Hymenaeus turned me into the demented Roman Emperor Nero, accusing me of setting the city of Rome on fire. I was chained and cast into prison. All of Asia I had covered. I had wept in their streets, but no man stood with me. All forsook me. Only Onosiphorus sought me out and refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But none of these things stopped me from lifting my flaming torch of truth. I just won my guards and snatched souls right out of Caesar's household. I wrote the book of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians in that jail cell. I didn't quit having revival. I didn't quit throwing out the gospel net just because Demas or Hymenaeus or Diotrephes or Alexander the coppersmith. just one left this church is going to keep standing if this pastor will keep apostolic authority hell has to back up no man no woman no angel from heaven no devil from hell can stop this you better make sure you've got apostolic authority you'll get hurt Hymenaeus, Demas, Diotrephes, Alexander the coppersmith. I just got me a Demetrius and Onesimus. I got me a Timothy and I got me an Apollos. And Josiah said, I got me a Daniel and a Jeremiah and an Ezekiel. I'm not quitting. I'm keeping on standing. I don't care how many terrorists are in these pews. They better look out. You better look out, devil, look out. You better look out, terrorist. The woman with the flaming torch of truth is still standing. You know, quit having revival and throwing out the gospel net just because of all of this. Philip didn't quit having a revival because of Simon the sorcerer. Daniel didn't quit praying three times a day when he knew the decree was signed. He just kept kneeling upon his knees as he did aforetime and lifting his torch beside the golden window. Moses and Aaron didn't retreat before the charlatanism of Janus and Jamarees. Instead, they compelled them to acknowledge the hand of God by pressing forward with their God-given ministry, and they prevailed. A damsel possessed with a spirit of divination didn't stop Paul and Silas. You don't abandon your wheat field just because Satan sows a few weeds in it. Brother Tenney, 
Jesus didn't stop when he knew what awaited him in Jerusalem. Jesus didn't have to do it, but he did. He could have given up, but he didn't. He could have turned his back and walked away from the whole wretched mess. Man got himself into it, but thank God he didn't. When people from his own hometown tried to push him over the cliff, he didn't give up. When his brothers ridiculed him, he didn't give up. When Peter worshipped him at the supper and cursed him at the fire, he didn't give up. He could have died for us in secret, but he didn't. He was crucified near the city gates where a great highway went by. And at a time when there were hundreds of thousands of pilgrims gathered in the city of Jerusalem, he was raised up above the earth toward the sky where all might see him. God's purpose is that the whole world might know it. He was not crucified in a cathedral between two golden lamps. He was crucified in a place on a hill greatly above and beyond all mountains stands Calvary where the whole world could see it and marvel before it. And just in case some chose not to look, the Lord just closed the sun down and shook the earth that all people might know he was dying for them and for the whole world. He wanted the whole world to know. Have you got that message yet? Have you got that message yet? He wants the whole world to know. He wants every city to be filled with this doctrine. He wants us to continue in prayer and fasting as was the apostolic order. God in the flesh, God in a manger, God on a cross, God in a borrowed tomb, God in a resurrected body walking around on wounded feet, swinging the keys of death, hell in the grave and saying, because I live, you can live also. Can you go tell them that? Ma'am, sir, can you go tell them that? He wanted to convince men once and for all that he would give anything, pay any price, go to hell and back for you and me and for the whole world. And yes, he wants the whole world to know. He would rather go to hell for us than to go to heaven without us. Paul said, I could wish myself accursed and cut off and anathematized if only I could win my countrymen, my kinsmen. I guess that's what I'm trying to tell you here today. I'd rather go to hell and back for my family than to go to heaven without them. I don't care what it does to me, Lord. I want my family to go through the gates of that city with me. I want this city to know. I wish I had time to tell you about Gus Kaplan, the most celebrated, intelligent businessman in this city, what he wrote us this week and sent them the most beautiful oil painting you would ever want to look at, but wrote us and said, we love you better than anybody that's ever been in this community. We know what you stand for. We're lifting our flaming torch. It's okay to clap your hands. It's okay to shout hallelujah. The thief on the cross didn't hear Jesus preach or teach a Bible study. He just heard him pray. That was enough. We can't expose him too much. We can't brag on him too much. We can't lift him too high. We can't intercede with him. Oh, my God, he is the intercessor on the throne. And he said, if I can get just one of you agreeing with me. You can't talk about that too much. You cannot preach him too fervently or too zealously. Is it a fact or a myth? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Lift him up. Come on, shout it. your torch he'll do the drawing if ever one you ever meet were holy and handsome with a halo of light over his or her head it would be easy to see Jesus in everyone but he is disguised in every type of humanity that treads, treads planet earth. For he said that a glass of water given to a beggar was given to him. 
for he said, heaven hinges on the way you act toward me in disguise of another human being in the commonplace, in the frail, ordinary humanity. Did you give me food when I was hungry? Did you give me to drink when I was thirsty? Did you give me clothes when mine were all rags? Did you come to see me when I was sick or in prison or in trouble? Did you try to help me or reach for me or get me out of it? No, there are no halos glowing around their heads, at least none that human eyes can see. But they're like Elizabeth of Hungary who put the leper in her bed and later going to tend to him no longer saw the leper-stricken face but the face of Jesus Christ. Or like Peter Clover who gave a dying African-American his bed and slept on the floor at his side, awakened by his groans and sighs, summoned, uh, summoned others to help him. But when they saw the disgusting sight, they ran from the room panic-stricken with Peter Clover crying, Don't! you'll be sorry don't leave him now it's Jesus of Nazareth he's disguised in this man you see in fact he's disguised in every person you'll ever meet the crippled the handicapped the diseased the lowly the lonely the needy the embarrassed the rejected the dejected the despised those in the highways and the byways and no man or woman can say bigger than he or she is. You can borrow big phrases and tell them, but their vastness is not yours. So let me pause here to simply say, I wish I could be more like him. But to be like him is to be a flame and a fire, Brother Haney with a love for souls, to be a flame, to do his will. And to do his will is to access a world like none you've ever seen. So now the sun is rapidly sinking on this apostolic church age, and we're confronted with an overwhelming need of this mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning in her name, mother of exiles. And from her beacon hand let glow worldwide welcome her weeping eyes with anointed lips saying, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning for something more than joining a church, shaking a preacher's hand, going to church week in and week out and never being satisfied. Send us those hungry ones. Send us those hurting ones. Send us those bruised ones. Send us those never dying immortal souls. I lift my lamp beside the golden door whose flame is the imprisoned lightning. So fan it, blow it, stir it, nourish it, lift it high. And when everything around you is falling apart, you may not have any glowing reports. Your church parking lot may look like a vacant ball field. There may be factions in your church, and you're wondering if you can do anything to affect change. I'm telling you today to lift your torch. Let the life of Jesus Christ begin to pour from him through you in such dimension that Satan cannot stand against you. This is no hour for slumbering, half-hearted, lukewarm, backsliding, compromising, Rip Van Winkle churches who've gone to sleep. We cannot sit by and expect some outside intervention to rescue miraculously our families, our neighbors, our city. The responsibility of our families, our neighbors, and our cities rests squarely upon our shoulders. And I'd rather go to hell for them than to go to heaven without them. But until we confront what is, we will never experience what can be. This is not just another sermon. This is just another piece of my life. And as I lift my torch, my flaming torch of truth again today, I say, Satan, you haven't seen anything yet. I snatched my nephew right out of your mouth, oh, ferocious lion. And the best is waiting to be, and I will see it. So have no fear. My strength, my stamina will be sustained the best is yet to come.
check, bowing to idols, repeating prayers. One day in the cathedral cried out, That's when we found him. And today he is our outreach director of the Pentecostals of Alexandria. Keep lifting your torch. You may get a Roger Scluza check. Bruce LeBlanc, the son of a lucrative businessman in this city, came here riding a bicycle with his hair hanging down his back. And now he and his wonderful wife are the leaders, are the, are the operators of the White Steeple Bookstore. <laughs> Deb Norman, sister of Brian and Renee Bozier with a home in Baton Rouge and a horse ranch in Virginia came to Because of the Times 2001, sat here confused and directionless. Listen to the keynote message, similar to what you heard last night, proverbially drew a line in the sand and said, I'm not turning back. My life will never be the same. From now on, it will count for God and his kingdom. And now she is trying to lead her husband, and she has led her four children, and her uh, uh, they're following her into this. Deb, where are you? Keep lifting your torch. Keep lifting your torch. Missionary director, Brother Howell shouted, keep lifting your torch. Jesus, the best is yet to come. Hallelujah, Sister Hopkins. I felt what you felt the night that Brother Haney installed me as Foreign Missions Director. That same spirit I felt on the platform in Jackson, Mississippi 23 years ago. I feel it today. We're going to lift the torch. We're going to lift the torch. We're going to tell the world that he is the King of Kings. Clark, Larry Clark, reared with Anthony, followed him then and is following him now. 21 years ago, Anthony and Mickey came home from a thriving, growing church in Plano, Texas, preached his first homecoming message, burning the bridges behind me and becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, and there'll be no turning back. Larry went on his face, never got up till the sun came up the next day. He has won more, no doubt, hundreds teaching Bible studies and has influenced all who will ever know him. But God's plan isn't completed yet. God is here looking for others who will confront what is and can experience what can be. He can take an unknown person who has a heart for him and can raise that person to a place of enormous spiritual impact. And Gerald Mangan is proof of that fact. I am remarkably blessed with an uncommon privilege to have shared his life for almost 59 years. Sometimes back I said to him, Gerald, time is running out for you and me. And I love you so much. I only wish it would be in heaven as it has been here on earth. And do you want to know how he responded to me? It's always been that way. But I've never misunderstood him. He said, you've never fallen in love with Jesus as you really should. You need to fall in love with Jesus. Well, when you see Jesus, I'll look like Ned in the first reader. 
For you see, our relationship here is just for time. But our relationship with him is for all eternity. Thank you, Anthony and Mickey. Thank you, Jeff and Michael Gentry, with your flowing robes of righteousness. Keep them. Keep lifting this flaming torch of truth higher and higher and higher. You've already launched it much higher than Papa and I. Lift it so high until the seven seas and continents can hear and see and know the only saving gospel of Jesus Christ. All we ask, just finish strong. Thus, at almost 76 years of age, I've made up my mind. The best is yet to be. The last of my life for which the first was made is going to be the best. My times are in his hand, who saith, a whole life I planned for you, and your youth has only shown but half. So trust me. See all that I wanted you to see, and don't be afraid. Just keep lifting your torch beside the golden door. I hear you, Lord. I hear you. I'm listening. Talk on. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I don't have much left to give, but with you, it will be much. I cannot do more, and I refuse to do less. So let the word go forth from because of the times to ta ta because of the times, you will never be the same. You will never be the same. Go forth from because of the times 2002, saying, we lift our flaming torch of truth beside the golden door. So until then, my heart will go on singing.
will dim and lose their value. If you'll just recall, it's just for time. They'll just borrow it for a while. And the things of this earth that's causing you to tremble, it's just for a little while. Later on, it's going to bring a smile if you'll just keep lifting your torch, praying for this man and 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 all of you. Just remember, again, but I'd like to go to our knees for just a few minutes, then we're going to get up and our general superintendent will lead us in this song again, but I really feel an urgency to fall on our face. If you could just move those chairs out of the way. This is a, one of those moments that the committee talked about that we didn't want to get in a hurry of, and, and I'd just like to pour our hearts out to God, make our resolutions to Him and our commitments to the Lord. Uh, let, let there be a prayer break out in the congregation. <laughs> 